Hi, Martin. Howdy, howdy. I'm John. <laughs> I'm Martin. <laughs> <laughs> We're done. We're ready to go. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm just trying to be free as this song. This is sidewalk You can't tell me it's wrong. When I'm trying to be free as this song. Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? Welcome, welcome, welcome to Idea Lemons Discover Your Inner Awesome Podcast. My name is Rajiv Nathan. I'm the co-founder of Idea Lemon and the co-host of this show. I am alongside Martin McGovern, who's not with me right now, so you're not going to hear him during this introduction. This is the season three premiere, pr- 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 premiere of Discover Your Inner Awesome. We've got tons of awesome shit coming up in this season. A lot of cool guests, and we're kicking it off in this season premiere episode number one with an actual knight. Well, kind of. You'll listen and hear more about what's going on with that. His name is Sir John Hargrave. He is the CEO of Media Shower, a content marketing agency, but he's also the author of a book called Mind Hacking, where he goes through tips, tricks, and hacks to train your brain to form new habits, positive habits, and basically be more powerful. So we explore a really, really fascinating question in this episode. It's around focus, and specifically we ask, how do you stay focused with all the distractions that are out there? Email, text messages, Tinder, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. How on earth do you stay focused? We go through and talk talk about a ton of cool hacks and tricks you can employ immediately to stay focused, things we've tried in our own lives, things that have worked and haven't worked, and John shares some good nuggets of information from his book, Mind Hacking. Before we dive into the show, I gotta let you guys know, if you aren't checking out idealemon.com yet, you have got to hit that up. Subscribe to our email newsletter. What we do with Idea Lemon is help you master your personal brand and become an expert in your field. So if you want the confidence to go into an interview and dominate the interview, if you wanna be the face of your franchise the face of your field check out idealemon.com and and subscribe to our newsletter there you'll also be in tune with every podcast episode we release right as we release it all right all that said let's listen in now to our conversation with sir john hargrave where we talk about how do you stay focused so i'm happy to tell you the story i'm an alcoholic that's how it all got started, and I decided to get sober about eight years ago, and uh, it was the most difficult decision of my life. But one of the things that I learned as I was going through that period of early sobriety was how to keep control of my mind. And it's hard. It's really hard. If you try to like conquer any habit in life, so this could be anything like losing weight or starting a business or uh, just being more efficient, your mind is one of your worst enemies. It's your mind. It's wrestling with your mind and the the sort of distractions and the habits of your mind. In the case of getting sober, it's like your mind constantly telling you that you've got to have a drink. So I started to collect these hacks, mind hacks, meaning tips or techniques or tricks that we could learn to basically get in control of our mind and then reprogram them because I'm a geek at heart. And I wanted like a step-by-step, like almost like a user manual for the mind. So that's what this book is, Mind Hacking. I think Martin uh, 
his uh, his eyebrows just shot up when you said you're a geek at heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially when you started talking about this step by step, and and especially when it comes to alcohol, because one of the things uh, I've done in the past is you know go long periods of um, I went four months uh, giving up going out and, and drinking. And just seeing how much that impacts your productivity and your ability to focus. Because I yeah. think even like just in general, a lot of people use it as a form of procrastination. Yeah. And, yeah. and a way to sort of relieve themselves from the stress or anxiety of the things that they actually want to accomplish. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And, you know, I've, I've always been kind of uh, a workaholic as well. So, you know, I was always getting a lot of stuff done. But... Um, I realized later after I've been sober for some time that like I wasn't getting the right stuff done. In other words, I was spending a lot of time being really busy. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you know, as the business guru Peter Drucker once said, there's a big difference between uh, working to be busy and working to be effective. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's the difference. Is we want to learn, well, what's how can we be most effective with the time that we have. The busy thing is huge. Uh, earlier this year, I wrote a blog post about that idea that everyone is busy nowadays, right? Like, no matter who you talk to, you, oh, how's it going? Oh, busy. But- I, met, I met an infant the other day who was just <laughs> insurmountably busy. He was, he was changing his own diaper and he was having a great time. <laughs> and with that... Rest know. feeding? I'll cross that one off. <laughs> Put down the breast bottle. <laughs> he couldn't talk. He had his mouth oh, full yeah. of nipples. Oh, my God. That's where this is going. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, no, I thought it was, I think it's interesting, though, this idea of not only just having a busy, quote-unquote, busy mindset, but, like, almost everyone embracing the idea of being busy. And, it's, and I, Martin, we've talked before how it's almost like it's an excuse to not necessarily – have to explain any like one thing that you're actually doing or it's like a cop out to be like yeah I'm busy but that must be where my time goes and it's almost a form I mean going back it's procrastination it, you're you're not sitting down to actually plan out your day you're just saying today's going to be a busy day mm-hmm. and that allows you to feel all the overwhelm and not actually come to the terms of the reality that no it's really not that busy if you break it out into small chunks and do it yeah uh, this book I just referenced, the Peter Drucker book, it's called The Effective Executive, and it was one of Jeff Bezos's top three books when he was starting Amazon. He made all of his top managers read it. It's a great book, still totally relevant, and one of the quotes in there, I've memorized it, he says, uh, knowledge work, which is the kind of work we all do, knowledge work is not defined by its quantity, it's defined by its results. Knowledge work is not confi- defined by its, by its quantity, but by its results, and... Uh, so, like, one of the hacks we have in the book is this idea of a three-minute, three most important things. When you come in in the morning, you just say, here are the three things i got to do today to really, like, move the needle, to push the ball forward. And then you do those first before you, like, get into all the easy work to keep you busy, like answering email and returning calls and all that. You do the hard stuff first, and then you allow yourself the easy work as a reward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I think that's a, that's a huge one because... As you go through the day, too, that like the decision fatigue and the just general fatigue fatigue starts to set in. So right. the harder task becomes that much harder if you push it off to later in the day. Yeah. Have you guys read that book called Willpower? Have you ever seen it? I've read snippets of it, but yeah. I haven't actually read it. 
Yeah, it's really fascinating. And they talk about willpower as being like a battery. So it's like just what you just said was, you know, you start off really fresh. And as the day wears on, this decision fatigue, or it's like, think of it like your willpower battery gets used up. And toward the end of the day, you just don't have as much willpower left. And uh, that idea of like, you know, tackle your most important stuff in the morning when your willpower battery high and leave the easier work for later in the day when you don't need to make as many critical decisions. It's yeah. really, really helpful to think about it like that. Well, and they also, I, is that also the book where they talk about kind of how if there's a bowl of candy there, every time you say no to it, it's just a little bit of your willpower going out the yeah. door? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. It's, yeah. it's so, all the way down to this, something so micro is that. Yeah, yeah. So it's like consciously crafting an environment for yourself where you reduce distractions and temptations is really important. Like just making sure, you know, there's like no sweets in the office if you're mm -hmm. trying not to, to, to handle sweets. Um, and, you know, it's like going back to getting sober. One of the things you do is you clean all the alcohol out of the house so it's not, you know, a constant temptation that's draining your willpower battery. But everybody can use that, that trick. Yeah, so I have a great story about the whole temptation kind of concept. So at the ad agency that I used to work at, uh, one of the guys in the office kept this like just insane stash of, of candies and chocolates. Yeah. And, and it was almost like a way to like say hi, which was nice on the one hand, you know, yeah. go into the office, grab some candy and, and chat. But it was funny, you know, so he had one of those like gumball machine style things that dispensed, yeah, yeah. they dispensed peanut M&Ms like one at a time because it's a gumball machine. Yeah. And what would happen was, you know, everyone would be going, going about their day at their computers and you'd all of a sudden you'd hear the peanut M&M drop into that like little dispenser, like the sound. And then everyone would like look. And then one by one, you start to see people get up. It's like a bunch of prairie dogs. Yeah, exactly. It's straight up a Dilbert comic It's exactly. And it was like so funny because like it wouldn't even be in my thought process to eat M&Ms or think about M&Ms. But I'd hear that dropping sound and... Five seconds later, I'd be up eating M&M's. Well, and we have the same thing in my office. There's this huge bowl of Starburst at the front of the office. And when I first started, all of a sudden I was eating, you know, one at a time. But that adds up to almost like a pack and a half a day of Starburst. Yeah. And I actually had to put a thing in my phone, a reminder saying, today, don't eat Starbursts. <laughs> and I would check it off in the morning. And if I ate a Starburst that day, I had to uncheck it just to hack myself and remind myself that, Look, you are getting into a bad habit. Yeah. Yeah. So see, you get rid of the starburst and suddenly you freed up all of this willpower energy that you can focus into the business. Put apples out instead. Apples. <laughs> yeah. I wish I controlled that. <laughs> People are rarely tempted by apples. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I've got a real apple problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, that's what the Google users say. Oh, yeah. Ah, oh, yeah, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I just send him the fruit <laughs> detox. Well, so what's your view on technology then, um, in both helping and harming? Because I got my new uh, Pebble Time today. Uh, actually, yesterday I picked it up. And uh, it's been giving me my nice little email notifications throughout the day. Uh, basically, mini distractions here every, you know, couple, tw every 20 minutes I get another distraction. But it is less distracting than the phone in my pocket buzzing and me having to pull it out and swipe it open and checking in. I could just kind of double, like hit three clicks and it's, it's gone. Um, 
So I'm kind of curious when it comes to all the new technologies coming out and their focus on making us addicted to clicking the next button and scrolling and scrolling, uh, how does that impact our willpower and our ability to form habits? Yeah, so, so you like the watch so far, because I do not have an Apple or Pebble watch yet, but I've heard the tactile sensitivity type thing could actually be freeing in a strange kind of way. Was that your experience? Though? I am just happy to have a new gadget to play with right now. Uh, we will see in a week how I feel about it. Um, but right now, it's been, it's been nice. Yeah. Well, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of research that shows uh, that multitasking is a myth. And uh, I define multitasking as doing two or more things badly at once. <laughs> and so there's just a ton of research that shows that every cognitive task you add to your already fractured attention, you do every one of those tasks worse. And, you know, we all kind of think we're immune to that. And we all feel like we're the person who can answer email while we're in a meeting or whatever. And you can't. You can't. So, um, you know, you might think of that as multitasking. You might also think of it as rapid task switching. And if you guys, uh, like, are you developers? Do you come from, like, a programming background? Nope. We come from marketing backgrounds. <laughs> yeah. But we've had to work with developers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I started out as a developer, and it's like when you're developing, you're in the zone. And, you know, if you're doing creative, if you're copywriting, whatever, you're in the zone creating. And then if somebody comes and kind of gets you out of that, you it takes time to get back into that zone. So the idea, again, is to consciously craft a lifestyle where we minimize those distractions, those things that are going to pull us out of the zone or are going to tempt us to multitask. And uh, so, you know, there's, there's lots of just kind of cleanup things we can do on an ongoing basis, like just take an hour to turn everything off, all of your instant message notifications, close down your chat clients, unsubscribe from all those email lists. And that's really an investment. Except in ours. Except the idea. Yeah. Open our email. <laughs> those you should triple subscribe to every email. Inflate our numbers. Use every email account that you that's have. Right. Well, no, I think that's a great point because right before we started uh, this call, I tossed my phone and Pebble Watch over on the bed because uh, I didn't want to have anything buzzing or ticking or taking my mind away. Uh, from from the conversation, so I think that's that's a huge thing of even something as small as you know taking off the watch that's buzzing is is a great step forward. And then, kind of looking at your life, what have you done in the past couple of years to really design an entire environment from you know morning till till night? Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. So. Um... There's lots of things. I would say the, the biggest thing is this uh, concentration exercise. So you may also know it as meditation or mindfulness, but it's basically in the morning you spend 20 minutes just uh, quietly focusing on your breath. So spend a couple minutes just relaxing your body and then about 20 minutes just trying to focus your mind on your breath. And whenever you notice your thoughts wandering, when you notice your mind kind of like when you notice yourself lost in thought again, you just redirect your attention back to the breath. And, uh, you know, there's lots of research that shows it makes you calmer, more focused. It makes your relationships better. It makes you healthier. But what you really notice after just like a week or two of doing this is that in everyday life, like in your work life, you start to notice, you become much more aware of the distractions. You become much more aware of things that are sort of tearing your, your concentration or your focus away. And that's sort of like the impetus, the energy that you need then to make more of those lifestyle changes 
to reduce those distractions. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm happy you brought up kind of the meditation aspect of it. That's something that I've incorporated into my life this year is is doing 20. I actually, I, I had to build up to 20 minutes. And this is another thing I think is important to kind of explore is that you. it's very tough to do everything all at once or to try and right. go from zero to 100. So like for me, like I know like I have a very busy mind. Uh, sorry, I shouldn't say busy. I have a very uh, active mind. He has a very long oh. to-do list mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we all do. <laughs> you know, I have a very active mind all the time, and it's something that I feel like I can like never shut off. But I started with five minutes of meditation, and then went to seven, and then to ten, then to twelve, then to fifteen, to seventeen, and now I'm at twenty, and I think I'm set at just sticking with twenty. Yeah. Um, but what that does, you know, it's just like take like running, right? You don't run. 10 miles the first time you go you run even a quarter mile the first time you go out and then a quarter mile doesn't seem so tough anymore so you run a half mile same kind of idea and that's where i think i don't think meditation ever stuck with me before uh well partly for another reason of not having a purpose behind it but um secondly i think before i would try to do too much all at once yeah so I, I love hearing these stories. So what was it that was the impetus to get you started on that? Yeah, so it's funny because, well, I don't know if it's funny or sad. Or <laughs> uh, it, it, no. is, it is. <laughs> it is. It is what it is. Uh, I had to start meditating at the beginning of this year because I actually, I was struggling to get over an ex-girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And I basically had to tell myself I need to bring more positive thoughts into yeah. my mind and get rid of the negative and like sad thoughts that I had. So what it started with was, and we talked about this a little bit on our episode with Carla Blumenthal. Um, it started with me like actually, as I would inhale, I would think like inhale pos- positivity right. and then exhale negativity. And then slowly that just started to like naturally go away. And I didn't have to think about that anymore. And the thoughts of my ex-girlfriend weren't even coming into my mind anymore. Or if they were, it wasn't for any like bad reason. And now I actually, uh, I, I don't know if I'm unique in this sense or just doing it in a, in a different way than what people assume meditation is, is done for. So you mentioned um, when you think of a thought, you come back to your breath, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, you know, I always have like, I'm always focused on my breath, but I actually use it now to organize my thoughts and think about what, what's important today and mm-hmm. what's just like, what, what fat needs to be trimmed off from my day. So, so you, your technique is to uh, kind of co- concentrate, but you're concentrating on what are the what are the essentials for the day. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's been huge in not only um, ha- being more productive in just the things that I'm actually doing, but then also being able to catch myself when uh, I feel like I'm getting distracted, which I never would have been able to do before. I don't think, Martin. I think you can attest. Yeah. To that. Well, yeah. I mean, you're you're taking that moment instead of jumping right in, uh, which I mean, you've said in the past, you're uh, fire. Uh, what, what's the phrase? What? Shoot, fire, aim. Oh, re- ready, fire, aim. ready, fire, aim. Yeah. And uh, and you're just you're maybe not trying to clear your mind. You're just trying to focus it. So your meditation practice is about focus. Yeah. It's not about mind. It's not about achieving a higher level of like clarity. It's no, and I, I suppose naturally maybe that'll come. Yeah. But it's not like I think one of the reasons that another reason I don't think I ever started it before, uh, and I think why a lot of people don't is this idea of like oh I can't shut off my mind or like oh like I'll never get to zero thoughts. But it's like 
that's not necessary. Like that'll happen on its own at some point. But the more you think about how do I get to zero thoughts, the more thoughts you have that gets you further away from zero. Yeah, it, the the way we suggest doing it is um, that you sort of gamify it and you award yourself a point every time you notice yourself lost in thought. So every time the thoughts come, you say like, "Good job," <laughs> give yourself a point, keep track of the points on your hands, yeah, or you have head. the little like Mario one up sound going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you're basically giving yourself a little dopamine hit, you know, for like noticing and then returning to the breath instead of feeling badly that you you've gotten lost in thought again so by turning it on its head that way that that works really well for a lot of people especially those of us who are uh gamers so um but i love that you know i think that the your technique is just fine it's like what you're trying to do is is focus you are trying to increase your powers of focus and concentration that's why we call it concentration training and there's all these different forms of meditation, but they all, you know, I don't think any of them are better than the others. Some of them you focus on the breath or a candle or a sound or nothing or whatever. But uh, it's all about that focus, that concentration. So the way you're doing it is is to look at your schedule for the day. It's interesting. I haven't heard of that one before. I um, it's, uh, One of my yoga instructors, he said in class the other day, he said, uh, experts say that you should uh, meditate for at least 10 minutes a day. And if you don't have the time, you should meditate for 20. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's good. But I, I also love your story because it's like if you can only start with five minutes, that's great. That's great. And running is a good analogy. You're right. Because, uh, you know, w- w- the goal uh, is not to be able to run forever without ever getting winded. The goal is to get into better physical health. And just as when you exercise regularly, you do feel better. You have energy throughout the day, especially if you do it in the morning. And doing this kind of practice, you also have this mental clarity throughout the day. And you really do increase your powers of focus throughout the day. So I often say the time we spend in that concentration training is actually time that's being applied in the rest of our lives. So that's when you start to see the real benefits is in, in your everyday life. Yeah, and I, and I kind of love how all these ideas co- sort of come together. So you're, on the one hand, you have a purpose behind it. On the other hand, you know it's going to be a long, slow ro- road, so you're not going to push yourself beyond what you can handle. And you, know, you bring all these things together, and you really listen to how your body feels while you're doing it. Yeah. Um, and one of the things, so I've been running a lot lately, and... Uh, I used to have this. I I used to have the mindset whenever I'd go running of, oh, I have to run today. If you don't run today, you failed. And and you had mentioned earlier how um, you know just you got to give yourselves those little points to get that dopamine going and yeah. not be negative. And if you look at it as though, oh, I have to do this today and make it an obligation, then you're never gonna have the right mindset going in, and it's always gonna be a lot harder. And mm-hmm. so now I just anytime I'm running or I. I'm on the path and I realize that I'm like slowing down or like, oh no, I'm about to start walking. I say to myself, all right, number one, why? Is it because you're actually tired or are you just getting like lazy or like your your mind is on something other than running right now? And then I follow that up with, remember, you get to run. You don't have to run. Mm. And that always pushes me that extra, that extra couple, maybe mile or two uh, to keep the run going instead of walking home. That's a great one. That's a new one. I'm going to have to use that one. You get to run. 
It's not that you have to run; you get to run. It's a privilege. And, and I think you're. I think since your the book is still available, like online for free, you can still edit it before the official release <laughs> comes out next year. Yeah, yeah, we could we could add that in. But yeah, that's these are the kinds of little mind hacks that uh, I've been collecting from folks, and that's that's a really useful one. What are your, you get to run? What are some of your uh, maybe the top ones that come to your mind? Your favorites that that people have kind of thrown out there. Well, there's this whole idea of just becoming aware of the mind. That's kind of what we're talking about here is uh, learning to see the mind. So if I, I can give you a simple thought experiment here. You can close your eyes for a moment. All right, doing it. And just imagine your mind. Just think about your mind. That's it. Think about your mind for a second. And when you're thinking about your mind, you can quickly see that, that you are something that's separate from your mind. In other words, you are not your mind because there's a you that's kind of doing the picturing of this thing called your mind. And so we can all get that intellectually very quickly, but the, the trick is to learn that throughout the day. So we're talking about focus today. You know, your mind will distract you and tempt you with like, like you know, you don't want to work on this big project. You want to go check out this website or do something distracting. And most of the time we listen to our minds. We just sort of accept it without thinking. Um, but with these these exercises we've been talking about, you can realize that you don't have to believe everything you think. You don't have to believe everything your mind tells you. You can actually be in control of your mind. So uh, there's a great hack which is called, what was my mind just thinking? And the idea is just as many times today as you can, you just ask yourself, what was my mind just thinking? That's it. And you give yourself a point, an awareness point, every time that you remember to check in and, and, and ask that question. And it's really difficult. It's really hard after about an hour because you forget. You get lost in the mind again. <laughs> that's a no. That's a cool. Uh, that's a cool hack. Uh, it's something I don't know if I've ever thought to like formalize it like that before. But it's something that I feel like I do at least semi regularly. Where I'm like, okay, there's me, and then there's me thinking about me, me. or there's this situation. <laughs> and there's me thinking about this situation. Well, and I'm I'm not sure who I heard this from, but. Uh, it was probably in one of those like you know the top ten things like articles, but it was uh, one of the facts that they threw out there on BuzzFeed. I think it was where they said uh, when you remember a memory, you're not actually remembering the memory; you're remembering the last time you remembered that memory. <laughs> and that kind of like threw me through a nice little mental loop. But kind of where that that reinforced in my mind was the idea that all of the things that we think are just stories that we've kind of made up and. We've chosen a perspective or we've chosen um, our place in the narrative of that arc because everyone wants to be the hero of their own story or the um, they and we watch way too many movies. So, uh, you know, when you're a kid and there's a bully, it's it's I'm the victim. He's the bully. I'm the underdog. He's the guy that I'm trying to overcome. And you live that story the rest of your life and you keep finding ways to fit the narrative that you want to tell yourself. And I'm kind of curious if you guys have noticed in your life some of the narratives that you've told yourself that maybe later on you realize, oh, that wasn't actually true. I had a... Well, I it. always come out on top of my... Well, my... obviously. <laughs> obviously. I mean, hero Raj. But, um, but have there, have there been stories Raj. that you kind of look back on? You're like, whoa, I was totally misinterpreting that. Or um, there is a different way to view that story if only I take a step back. 
Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right, Martin. And I, I often use the analogy of, of the movies as well. And, you know, like me, I'm, I'm kind of a movie geek. And when I go into a movie, I'm analyzing the movie, you know, like I'm, I'm thinking about the score and the cinematography and everything. But if it's a good movie, you get lost in it. You know, you just you literally identify with the movie. You have to actually remind yourself every once again, kind of pull yourself out, and remind yourself you're watching a movie. And that's the fun of the movies. But our minds are very much like that, where the mind is just this movie that's playing constantly. And just like you said, these stories that we're telling ourselves. So I would add, though, the good news to that is you can rewrite the story. Like you can reprogram your mind. In other words, you can write a new ending to the story or decide that you're going to tell the story in a different way. So you really are the director of your own movie. Most people never realize that. Most people just go through accepting whatever the mind tells them for the rest of their lives, but that's what mind hacking is all about. Mm -hmm. yeah. do, you, do, you, do you actually go into any um, sort of neuroplasticity areas where um, they, I mean, I, was, I remember I read this book um, and they were talking about how physically you can really actually change the grooves. So they would sever a nerve in a monkey's arm and the mind would completely truly re rewrite itself um, and hmm. I'm, I, I remember in the book they were saying that that can be done both from the physical standpoint where they cut the nerve but also in sort of these stories that we tell ourselves where on the one hand if someone goes to uh, let's say therapy and they're the type of person that talking about these things just reinforces the bad and they aren't actually trying to reframe the story they're just continuing to reinforce the bad emotions mm -hmm. they go down that path too far and it's really hard to undo that damage but on the other hand if you're the type of person that is a little bit more uh, open to changing those stories you can very quickly change those memories and change the uh, way that you feel about those triggers I, and I'm not an expert on any of this so this might all be getting way too over <laughs> my head and over all of our heads but I don't know maybe, maybe you have some more uh, of the geeky science behind it that yeah, yeah there's a great uh, there's a great study we quote in the book from uh, Dr. Ellen Langer who's this uh, Harvard psych professor and she came up with this experiment where she brought all these senior citizens into this uh, this home that they had completely redecorated to look like it was in the 1950s so they had like this black and white TV playing Ed Sullivan it was like a radio playing Perry Como and then she had these uh, seniors come in and she said, I want you for the next week to imagine that you are in the 50s. Like literally, you are that person that you were back in the 50s. And uh, they didn't have any mirrors in the house. So there was no sort of like point of reference for how old they were. And what they found was astonishing because not only did all of these folks like physically and measurably grow younger and healthier. I mean, they were like, there's stories of them playing like touch football <laughs> out on the front lawn, but even their eyesight got better. So like, wow. like how weird is that? That you measurably their eyesight actually improved during the week they were in this experiment. So the brains are very plastic. They are very uh, uh, able to, to change those, those neural pathways. And, and that's in our control to do that with our imagination. Yeah, I absolutely love that story. I remember hearing that. And the book that I was referencing earlier is The Brain That Changes Itself yeah. um, by Norman uh, Dodge, I think. <laughs> Dodge? I don't know. Um, but, and, and there's also another one um, kind of in the same vein where uh, I think Invisibilia talked about um, 
the way that people treat blind people actually causes them to be more disabled than uh, they would be otherwise. Because there's, you know, this one guy who learned how to uh, ride a bike using sonar, basically, by clicking his tongue. And and he's teaching other blind people to do that as well. And the only reason that people didn't develop that naturally, because he developed it naturally, because his mom would just let him climb trees and fall. Uh, but the the fact that people say no, let me help you and do things right. for you stops you from actually developing those pathways and and making those connections in reality. Yeah, that's fascinating. It's I haven't heard about that one. I'm going to check that out. The blind bike rider. Yeah, so it's so interesting. And it's a lot like that, you know, that like infant toddler mentality, right? Where a little kid falls down and hurts his or her elbow. And isn't actually hurt until they look around and see if the parents are freaking out. And yeah. if the parents are like, oh, my God, are you okay? Then they start crying. But if you laugh at them and, and uh, just go, oh, no, they, they <laughs> might smile and, and join right in. <laughs> You'd laugh with them, not at them. <laughs> <laughs> Martin, no, Martin's an asshole. Sure, sure. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I think uh, I want to go back to the idea of the the distractions and and trying to regain or gain focus in the first place from the idea of, of removing the distractions and the temptations. So we know, like, yeah. obviously, like, you put candy on the middle of the table, you're more likely to eat it than if candy does not exist. If there's a gun on the wall in Act <laughs> 1, it'll go off by Act 4. <laughs> um, but I think on the flip side, so this is something I just started trying, like, two days ago, and I have no, I have no like, I don't have enough, quote-unquote, data to, to tell you if it works or not yet. But I'm trying so to scientifically f- prove it. <laughs> I'm trying the flip side of that, where um, I'm trying to put like good things in my way to see if I start picking those up. So, like for instance, and this is I think this is comical slash whatever, but I'm this book that I have not been reading regularly that I want to get back into. Mm-hmm. I just I put it in the bathroom. So now, <laughs> when I'm taking a dump, I'm seeing if I'm just going to start reading this book more. <laughs> right. Well, I'm right. Well. You- have you read uh, The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg? I have not, but our friend uh, Ben, who was it. on a previous episode, was a... Uh, Speaking of out of sight, out of mind, I've got it in that drawer over there and have not read it. <laughs> yeah. so, so put that in Rajiv's bathroom so he can okay. read it. Uh, yeah, no, it's a great book. And he talks about how do we develop positive habits, because that's what you're talking about, I think. And uh, he says uh, there's two things, and, and it's about setting up a cue and a reward to kind of like bookend the habit. So in other words, the cue is something that reminds you you need to do it, and then the reward is just a little you know reinforcer. Mm-hmm. So he uses the example, uh, if you want to exercise more often, you just get up and you put on your, your workout clothes. That's it. Yeah. Like You just put it on, and then you have this cue. But then you always reinforce it with something that's positive and healthy and easy to do. So like, you know, a smoothie or like a shower or whatever. Yeah. And you always give it to yourself when you do the thing and you don't when you don't. And um, so I think the, the book in the bathroom is a great cue. I think that's kind of brilliant. The question is, what's my reward? Well, you wipe yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, no wife. Otherwise, no wife. No wife. <laughs> and then you get this chafing and burning. <laughs> oh, man, that'll and work. That, and then that's a public... That will that's work. A, that's a public scarlet letter. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've just come out with mind hacking part two. I'm going to yeah. take some notes here. Mind hacking 2.0. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh man, that's so great. But like, and and I love that too because uh, a few months back, um, I was really in into that whole idea, and I was running. So I'd have my shoes next to my bed with my uh, running clothes folded up next to it. I'd the alarm would go off at six a.m. I'd get up, get dressed, and the first thing I would do, I actually switch it so I would have coffee. Um, instead of having to make the coffee when I wake up, I'd put it in the fridge. And so the first thing I would do right out of bed is have a sip of coffee. So that does two things. One, it starts to wake me up so I don't get back into bed. And two, it gives me a little bit of a reward for actually getting out of bed, putting on my shoes, and going to the gym. Um, but, of course, you know, life gets in the way, and it's, it's hard to sustain some of these habits over the long period. Because um, it worked for a good, I don't know, two or three months. And I recall you doing this, but didn't I remember, didn't you say something like, you didn't put the right reward in place or something? Or you, that's what you kind of realized was it wasn't the right, like coffee wasn't necessarily the reward. Or no, wasn't it showering for a little bit? It was showering. That's and what then, it was. And then then coffee, made it yeah, coffee. so it was showering, and then coffee became the, the right reward. It, so. it worked really well, but then I was in a relationship, and sleep became a hard, a difficult thing yeah. to achieve. Plus, like, you're not going to sh- not shower every day. Like, exactly. It's, I was it's too yeah. embedded of a thing to not do. Yeah, I'm kind of a neat freak, so that wasn't going <laughs> to Well, and just... Fly. You have decency about you. <laughs> well, that too. I don't, yeah. And I also smell, so. <laughs> um, but kind of, I'm curious to know, like, over the long term, because um, people are really good at keeping habits for, you know, a few weeks or even a few months, maybe even half a year. But to make it something that sticks for a lifetime, um, are there any certain things? Because I feel like a lot of these hacks work for, for like, bursts. Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, that's it. I think that's a good point. And uh, again, in that book, he talks about this idea of a, a keystone habit. And a keystone habit, he tells the story of this woman. I think I'm going to get the story right, but she was uh, she was overweight, and there were some doctors studying her for like a long term weight loss program. And uh, she was a smoker, and she was in terrible relationship. Her life was a mess. And uh, she managed to quit smoking during this period and then they followed up with her like a year later and they literally didn't recognize the woman who came back in because somehow like stopping smoking had made her lose all this weight she was in a better relationship she had a a a real job and so it was almost like stopping the smoking was this keystone habit that freed up all this energy to put into all these other things so going back to that concept of the willpower battery, I sometimes think of these habits or these hacks as like energy, like they're sort of energizing us or they're freeing up energy that we can then plow into higher order things or bigger and better things in our lives. And so I think when we got to choose these habits carefully, because if you've got a habit like exercise, it's a really good one because that's going to fuel you with more energy that you can then put into other things and then start to get the ball rolling on those as well. So you gotta choose wisely to make sure that the sort of energy momentum kind of goes goes higher and higher. We have a whole chapter on this in the book, that idea of like pushing the swing higher and higher. Does that make sense? Absolutely. No, I love that 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 entire concept, especially when you know you talk to people on a Monday, right, after a long weekend. And yeah. everyone's just like, oh, I'm so tired. And it's like, yeah. you just had a long weekend. You should be, like, filled with energy. No, I went well, out. I just on... destroyed our bodies. Yeah, <laughs> I just destroyed my body for three days. And now I uh, have to do this whole thing again. There's no willpower left on Monday morning when you should be at the height of your cognition. 
That's such a great, yeah, because when I was drinking, I used to do that. And I would come in on Monday, I'd just feel terrible. I'd feel awful. And I was sober, <laughs> barely. <laughs> and uh, But it was the same concept of like, well, you've just like depleted your willpower battery or your energy level for the whole weekend. So now you've got to try to like build it up throughout the week so you can do it again on the weekend and meanwhile your night is a mess as well as soon as you go home so it's like you gotta manage your personal your personal energy that's what so much of this is about yeah and one of the things that we really like to talk about is uh, excuses to either excuses to do good things and um, what I see when I talk to people who have that opinion, and you know myself included, where you you're like, oh no, I'm so tired from yesterday. I guess I'm just gonna take today off, and then that just sort of reinforces the bad habits and leads you down this kind of spiraling uh, direction. Whereas if you give yourself, there's we're always giving ourselves an excuse to do something good or something bad in every moment, and you get to choose what excuse you use. So yesterday I was supposed to go for a run but I walked along the river with my parents. And I was like, well, I walked along the river, so I'm not gonna run tonight. And like, that was an excuse to not put a little more energy into my health that day. Um, thankfully, I did something <laughs> better than nothing, but, uh, cause they always say the, uh, should you work out in the morning or at night? Uh, which one will you do? That's the one you should do. Yeah, <laughs> um, right. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I definitely think that's interesting where, um, you know, your the way you act influences the next excuse you give yourself. Yeah, or another way of looking at it is what what's the thing to, that gets you started on the path, and and that's why I asked Raj about how like how did you get started with meditation, and for you it was like going through this really difficult period and finally deciding, I don't want this anymore. Like right. I don't want this mental this mental loop playing in my head. Yeah. And so sometimes those difficult periods can be kind of wake up calls for us to start getting on the path of working on ourselves and, and reprogramming some of those, some of those loops and, and thought habits. And that comes too from, so this is something that, um, and Ben Austin did an interview with you as uh, also did an interview with you. Yeah. Um, and he's part of our, uh, the three of us are our mastermind group together. And one thing we talk about yeah, all the time, great. I, I think he might have mentioned it on that interview with you was um, this I, this concept from, I think it's Charlie Munger called The One Thing. Yeah. And it's, you have to ask yourself, uh, and, and this is kind of how I was able to make, you know, make that realization that I need to get over my girlfriend and start, or ex-girlfriend and start meditating was you ask yourself, what's the one thing such that by doing makes everything else easier or unnecessary? Yeah. So when you yeah. just, you boil it down, because you know, there's there's a lot of things that are going on, right? That are either helping or hindering your success. But you have it comes down to think about okay, what's the one thing behind all of that? And you have to be brutally honest with yourself if it is like if there is a mental block there. And so for me, it was like every decision that I could or couldn't make that could propel me forward is being hindered by this one thing, and it was. I'm not over my ex and I need to get over that. So then that's what set me into the, okay, meditation is going to be my route to get there. Yeah. And then you found your outlet. Yeah. That's really cool. That's a great, that is another great hack. What's the one thing that will make everything else easier. And that goes directly or, or unnecessary. Yeah. Or unnecessary. <laughs> and that, that, that goes back to that 
concept of like where are your leverage points or your keystone habit? What's the thing in your life that is going to return the greatest amount of energy to you to take everything else to the next level? And again, for me, you know, that was drinking for sure. And putting that down just suddenly, like all this mental energy I was using every day to like think about how I was going to do it and when and where and, you know, how I cover the smell and like all these different things that you just spend endless cycles on. You now have all of that free to like put into, you know, writing and running a business and and doing all these other great things. It's like, uh, I don't know if you're a Seinfeld fan, but it's like when uh, George decides to stop having sex and (laughs) Jerry's like, well, look what happened. That's what's doing it. You're no longer preoccupied with sex, so your mind is able to focus. <laughs> you think? Yeah, I mean, let's say this is your brain, okay? <laughs> now, from what I know about you, your brain consists of two parts. The intellect, represented here, <laughs> and the part obsessed with sex. <laughs> now, granted, you have extracted an astonishing amount from this little scrap. But with no sex Louise, this previously useless lump is now functioning for the first time in its existence. Yeah, well, you know, that's the whole idea behind many spiritual traditions that have like celibacy is like, hey, when you've already made, when you made the decision, you're not going to do it. You actually kind of a lot of. CPU cycles you can spend on other things. Well, and I've been talking, um, my little brother just has been on match, and I'm hoping I'm not, you know, selling him out. Selling him out right now. Everyone, go date his little, all women listening, find his Um, But But he's been talking about, like, you know, how do I, you know, go on these dates and talk to these people? I'm like, well, you need to really remove a lot of the stressors of, like, is this going somewhere? Am I going to go home with it? Like, you need to just not have any of that in your head. You really just need to be saying... Who is this person and what's the conversation I'm having? And if you can have that basic conversation, sure, things might come out of it, but it takes away all of that pressure and all of that mental space that now you can fill with actually knowing who this person is, um, which we'll see how that goes. Uh-huh. But <laughs> Well, um, but part of that, too, is, um, I mean, just on on the dating front, right, or with, with anything, too, it's like you, I think you place a lot more emphasis and you stress yourself out a lot more about like that one thing if the other environment or the other factors or the other things going on in your life are not good enough mm. right like there's the oh w- why did he text me this what does this text me and you can obsess yeah, over if, every if you're text not, if you're not good with yourself the rest exactly is, yeah. exactly yeah, I, I tell the story of uh, when I, I used to be really uncomfortable around people. So when I would be talking to someone, I'd be con- constantly thinking about like, you know, am I standing up straight or do I have a piece of salad in my teeth? And then I eventually just said, listen, I'm going to I'm, I'm good with people. That's it. That's the sort of mental loop that I'm going to start thinking. And over time, you know, as I would be talking with people, I would catch myself going back into the like negative loop and I would just say, I'm good with people. That's it. And repeating that like hundreds and thousands of times over a period of years, it turns out that now I actually am kind of good with people. So (laughs) it like it becomes this this weird self-fulfilling prophecy. But, you know, I think your brother's kind of in the same situation. It's like you got to just have a, a, a natural confidence by telling yourself listen i'm good on dates i'm good with women i can do this 
is that like the fake it till you make it kind of concept or do you think that's different than that uh, I think it's very much like fake it till you make it I, I, uh, I somebody called it once like acting in a play it's almost like you're playing a character huh. it's like what would somebody who is confident act like and I'm just going to inhabit that role and then eventually if you do that long enough you you become the role you become confident well and and it totally goes back to what we were saying earlier about telling yourself stories like if you tell yourself the yeah. story that you're a not confident person who doesn't know how to talk to people of course when you walk in a room you're gonna say to yourself I'm not confident I don't know how to talk to people and you're gonna go straight for the punch bowl and yeah. uh, not talk to people and I think one of the things that's so interesting as we kind of dig through all this stuff is that all these behaviors tend to uh, lead to a moment where you have to decide one direction or the other and you mentioned earlier um, a lot of people hit that like you know bottom and then they have to you know come back um, but I'm kind of curious in all the people that you've talked to do most people have sort of like a clear moment in time when they had to make a decision and and move forward with changing their habits and changing their life or is is there kind of a mix of people who sort of found it organically and some people who had you know very strong moments of change well it's a mix it's a mix but often there is a bottom often there is a clear or at least a sort of moment in time like Raj just shared with us about his ex-girlfriend um, but often it's just people are like listen I know I can be doing better I know I've got this area of difficulty in my life and I want to make a change and I'm kind of inspired by this this premise of mind hacking and reprogramming my brain and they just start in little ways. So I think that that's okay, too. It's kind of the bootstrap method. So I don't think you have to wait till your life becomes unmanageable and out of control. Yeah. You can start working on little things right now. And I think that the, the little things, so that, and this goes back to like, you know, you put your clothes next to your bed uh, yeah. if you're going to work out in the morning. Like, those are the little things. And it's like, and, and think of little things as like, how do you make it? You know, it's that concept of like the path of least resistance, right? How do you make it as le less of a resistance or as little amount of resistance as possible? Even to the point of like, like uh, I think Ramit Sethi wrote about this a couple of years ago, but he's like, whenever I get cooking, like when my mom gives me her cooking, I immediately take it out of the bag and put it in my fridge. Because if it stays in the plastic bag, I don't see what food it is and I never eat it. And it's mm -hmm. like, it's even down to like those little things, like just take the food and unpack it so you'll eat it. Like I noticed like I had a watermelon sitting in the corner of my counter for three weeks that I finally cut open a couple days ago and was rotted oh. because it was like, oh, it's the watermelon in the corner. You know? <laughs> it's, it's the watermelon in the room, everybody. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it made like a lovely piece of concept art. Right, yeah. <laughs> nice granny It was living art. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Dying art. It matched uh, the countertop well. Yeah. But those are, you know, like, you know, that's, and that's kind of, you just put it in front of your face or whatever it is. It's like, there's these little things you can do, the book in the bathroom, the clothes next to the bed, unpacking the food, all this stuff. It's like, you have to find, you have to create the path of least resistance because as we've learned, uh, studying a little bit of behavioral economics is there's always, so the human mind, I don't know if you're familiar with this concept, John, but, um, there's always one more choice than you are aware of or give yourself credit for and that is the choice to do nothing and mm. we tend to as humans pick the option that is closest to doing nothing as possible <laughs> and that's just you know and that's just how we are so it's like do you want to you know your friend might say 
hey, do you want to go see a movie or do you want to go to the bar? And there's actually three choices there. It's movie, bar, or do I just stay home and do nothing? Yeah. Well, and I, and I think that that's really cool because at the same time, you know, you're going through all of these different ideas and, and while there is always the option of nothing, whatever you're choosing, you're reinforcing that story again. Mm-hmm. And so uh, for the, you know, two, three months that I was waking up, drinking coffee, going for a run, sure, it didn't last forever. And I actually, I'm still running quite a bit, just now it's in the afternoons. Mm-hmm. Um, but the great thing about it is not the fact that, you know, I built a 6 a.m. running routine. It's the fact that I trained myself to think of myself as someone who runs. Yeah. And now when I'm out running, I all I have to do is say, you get to run. I don't have to say, you're not a runner, you know? So you, it's it's those you kind of don't even realize as you're doing all these things that even if you don't keep the habit, you're keeping the mindset and the story of I'm someone who tries to form good habits. Yeah, I love that, Martin. I think that's there's, that's really profound. It's like you, you, you identify with being a runner now. And that's that's so critical. You know, I, I did a marathon years ago and, uh, and, and I was talking with my friend later who's done like Ironman. He's, he's hardcore. And I said, you know, it seemed to me when I was training and doing all those long runs and everything, it seemed to me that it was like 20% was physical training and 80% was mental training. It really was just about like convincing yourself that you can run that far. And he said, totally. He said, I would say, though, it's like 90% mental (laughs) and 10% physical. So there is something about you just like conditioning your mind to like get through the boredom of running 26 miles, but also just realizing like I can do this without falling apart. I'm going to be able to manage this. Yeah. Well, and I love that because, you know, how many times are you out on a run and you hit a moment where you're like, all right, this is the halfway point or I'm only going to go this far. But then something triggers you to go further. So the other day I was, I was running on the lakefront and um, I was only going to do a three mile run that day. But I came across someone who I hadn't seen, who I went to kindergarten with and high school with. And I hadn't seen them in years. And they were like, where are you running to? And my mind just said, you're running to Fullerton and back, uh, mm-hmm. which is six miles. So twice as far. And they were like, oh, wow, that's a really far way to run. And like I kind of self-deprecatingly was like, oh, you know, I might walk some of it. And then as soon as, you know, we said our hellos and whatever and moved on, uh, in my head I was like, you're not going to walk any of this. You're doing the full six miles and you're running it. And I ended up running the full six miles instead of just doing three that day. And it is a totally mental thing because part of it was just saying, well, on the way back, if I pass this person and they see me walking, I'm going to feel like an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, and a lot of that too is... um it's environment, right? And so we've talked about, like, John, in your case, like, when you cleared out your cabinets of any alcohol, right, you you clean your environment. Yeah. But the other part that we haven't talked about is the people in your environment. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and this is one case where it's like you don't want to be seen by that person you just told you were running that you're walking because yeah, that's that would be embarrassing. And I did get seen walking because okay. they, they caught me on my cool down after the six miles, like right after. And I was, and they were like, "Hey!" And I was like, "Oh, damn it!" <laughs> but so that you know, that's one instance of like maybe not wanting to be seen as in the in a poor light. But then there's even the who are you surrounding yourself with yeah. to help, or and are they helping, or are they hurting what you're trying to achieve? So if you 
uh, if you're hanging around, John, with a bunch of people who are going to the bars four nights a week, you're much more likely to go to the bar at least two or three of those nights than if you're hanging around people who are not doing that or who are, you know, going to the library or something like that. Yeah, yeah. There's a whole chapter in the mind hacking book on collaboration, and I think that collaborating with like-minded people is critical to achieving any goal, whether that's exercising or starting a business or getting healthier. You want to find other folks um, who are, are either trying to do the same thing or at least will support you in that. And you know, it's never been easier with sites like meetup.com to find folks who are interested in whatever it is, whatever project you're trying to take on. Um, or, you know, downloading, like for Mindhack, and we use the CoachMe app, coach.me, which is yeah. uh, lets you track your progress on things every day, but also give shout outs to other people who are trying to do the same thing. You know, 12 step groups, like there's all these different ways you can get involved with people. And uh, when I got sober, one of the best things I did, I called my friend Mike, who'd been uh, active in 12 step groups for years. And uh, the very first thing Mike said to me is, like, great, let's go to a meeting. And I'm huh. like, Whoa, whoa, whoa! Let's not get too hasty, Mike. It's kind of kind of crazy. So you know, I didn't. I don't know what I was expecting, but uh, but that was the right thing to do, is because then you're sort of getting in with other people who are trying to do the same thing, and there's huge strength in that. Yeah, and it's. I mean, I think at, at its very core, most basic level, it's just you are the company you keep, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. It, it also shows that you can do it. Like when when you're on the outside, you. I mean, this is. There's, I've always had this idea in my head, it'd be really fun to try stand-up comedy, but I don't know anyone who's ever done stand-up, I don't, I've never met or talked to anyone who's ever done stand-up, so it's this impossible thing on the other side of that wall. Whereas yeah. I'm sure if you actually went to a stand-up comedy thing and talked to some people, you'd realize they're just normal people <laughs> who are yeah. doing the same thing you're doing, and it's, it's not nearly as crazy as, as it might seem. Yeah, yeah, it demystifies it for you. So, you know, if you want to write, like, just join a writer's group and you talk to people who are published and you, like, find out, oh, people actually get published. It's, like, not an impossibility for me. You know, so there is that. But there's also, like, what you guys do together. There's power in numbers. So there's strength in the two of you doing this together. You mentioned you have a mastermind group, so the same concept applies. Mm -hmm. That when you have people, there's this weird kind of like resonance or sort of frequency that you all get on that amplifies what you're all trying to do. And so you're actually more powerful as a group or as a team. Uh, the, the sum is greater than the, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah we, we're big subscribers to the average of five. We think that's just one of the best concepts yeah. that's come across our reading and, and podcasts that we listened to over the past. A handful of years. I would, I think we could probably go for probably four more hours talking about this <laughs> stuff. However, we do need to wrap up. But before we wrap up, uh, John, can you let our listeners know? Uh, I mean, we've talked about the book throughout this whole episode, but just give kind of a brief synopsis of it, where they can find it, and uh, anything else you're working on that you want to share. Yeah, sure. So mind hacking is uh, this uh, collection of techniques or hacks that you can use to reprogram your own mind. And uh, it's going to be available in traditional bookstores in January 2016. Uh, or you can pre-order it on Amazon now. 
But we're also doing this interesting experiment, so we're kind of open sourcing it, and you can actually read a preview copy of the book for free at mindhacky.ng. So that's mindhacky.ng, no.com. Your audience is smart. They'll figure it out. <laughs> and uh, uh, I'm also the CEO of Media Shower, M-E-D-I-A-S-H-O-W-E-R, the content marketing company. So I blog regularly at mediashower.com. Awesome. Fantastic. So the way we wrap up our show is we each go one by one, first Martin, then me, then you, John, and we, uh, we give our answer to this episode's question. Uh, so the question for this episode was, how do you stay focused if you can just give one answer? But let's do this. Let's do answer the question as well as what's one thing you'd like to get better at personally in your own focus efforts? Um, so I'm going to kind of come at it from, a, uh, from beyond just getting focused, but also, you know, you have to believe you're the type of person that can be focused if you want to become focused. So I think reframing the story that you tell yourself is one of the most important ways to start. And then the fake it till you make it piece, um, I, I more so like live it until it becomes true. But, uh, <laughs> um, and I guess one thing that I'm really trying to become better at is being okay putting my work out there. Not through other people, not through other like hidden names or anything. Just my name and my thoughts, 100% me. Judge it as you will. Um, and that comes with uh, just doing it. So that's where I'm going to be uh, focused on is doing it, putting it out there, and letting the chips fall where they may. All right. My answer for how do you stay focused is I think you need to set an intent or reason as to why you want to gain that, that particular area of focus or fix or clean up that area of your life in the first place. Because if you don't have any specific reason driving it, you're gonna give up on it in a day, a week, a month or whatever. Um, as far as what I am trying to get better at and focusing on is, so we talked about this with, with the episode with Carla Blumenthal and since that I've actually been making an effort to do it. Um, what I am not good at is just like eating breakfast and just eating breakfast and not being on my laptop at the same time or checking emails on my phone or texting people. So what I'm working on is just, you know, I, I meditate in the morning, I do yoga. If it's an AM class, I shower. And I want to still take that 15, 10, 15 minutes to just eat breakfast before I dive into the day. And reading that book so you can wipe before you leave. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> John, your turn. Treat yourself, Raj. Wipe twice. <laughs> I stay focused uh, through caffeine, and I am trying to focus on uh, not answering as much email. You know, I, I, uh, I have a... a a thing where I want to always have my email box down to uh, like 15 to 20. That's my magic number is 20 unanswered emails because I get a lot of email, as we all do, and uh, not being so obsessive about that, but letting it ride and, again, focusing more on the three mitts, the more important things that uh, need to get done and not worrying so much about the email. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Well, we'll be sure to follow up with you after this uh, call with an email. And <laughs> <laughs> actually, before we before we part ways here, we we need to get the story of how you are in fact, Sir John Hargrave, which means you're knighted. I think I'd also like to point out that we stay well, very focused on the uh, topic. Yeah, of that is true. We usually digress wildly. <laughs> so now we can you did. become unfocused now that we've answered the question. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Uh, yeah, so um, well, I'm 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 kind of a knight. I, I wrote the Queen of England some years back, and I said, "Your Majesty, I would like to be knighted," because I I just thought Sir John Hargrave sounded so much classier. <laughs> it does. Yeah, <laughs> monogram it on my. There you go. Better something anyway. Towels, towels in the back. Yeah, the queen writes me back. The queen writes me back, and she says, uh, "Well, you have to do something noble." And I was like, "Well, that's a lot of work." <laughs> so I uh, went to my local county courthouse, and I found out that you can uh, apply to have your name legally changed. So you fill out a little form, you pay a, a fee, you go before the judge, and. Uh, here I am before you today, Sir John Hargrave. Kind of a <laughs> so you found name the hack. hack. You found a the name hack. hack. Yes, that's amazing. Because it's all about the story we tell ourselves, right? <laughs> it's funny though. You call yourself Sir John Hargrave. Suddenly, you do you feel like, well, maybe I should be a little He's bit a more Sir. Known. Yeah, I bet you're, you're honorable. You're, you're getting you're getting dinner reservations at places that no one else even knows exists. <laughs> <laughs> It's true, and uh, not many people know this. Every Tuesday night, ten percent off everything at Arby's. Wow! For <laughs> nights. No way. <laughs> yep. And and unlimited what membership about, what at about medieval, medieval times. times. <laughs> yeah. What about medieval times? <laughs> yeah, Arby's. The Arby's went out of business in the medieval period, if you remember. <laughs> oh man! All right, John. Thank you so much for joining us. This was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I, I think this was a great conversation. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be geeking out on brain science now for the next couple days. <laughs> it was awesome. Thanks, Raj. Thanks, Martin. Thank you. That was our conversation with the knight himself. I guess you could call it a knight's tale. Sir John Hargrave. John, thank you so much for joining us and having some real talk around staying focused. And as Martin called out, we were able to stay focused the entire conversation. So looks like those tips and hacks we're working right off the bat if you guys want to find his book it'll be in stores january 2016 in print but you can get a digital download for free right now at www.mindhacky.ng and check out the show notes for everything we reference and all the resources to link up with sir john Did you like this episode? If so, do us a huge solid and subscribe on iTunes or whatever podcast app you have and leave us a rating and review. More subscribers and more ratings and reviews bump us up in the search rankings, which means more people can find us and therefore more people can discover their inner awesome. Real quick, let me run through the show credits for you. This episode contained a snippet from the Seinfeld episode, The Abstinence, and our new theme song for season three is from one of my favorite bands, and I'm super pumped to have this be our theme song now. They are called Sidewalk Chalk. This song is called Lyrically Free. It's off their their first album, Corner Store, which you can grab on iTunes and Spotify. That wraps up season one, excuse me, episode one of season three of Discover Your Inner Awesome. Thank you again to Sir John Hargrave for my co-host Martin McGovern. I am Raji Nathan. We will see you next time. 
when I'm trying to be free as this song. I, 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 I